Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Tonight, we're going to break down what we just saw happen in Patriots, Chiefs, Falcons, Packers, and then update some of the top injuries from Sunday and just over the weekend in general and accordingly go over some of the top waiver claims that you should be looking to get this week. Uh, you know, happy... Happy uh, week five, everyone. You know, had some fun uh, Monday night games. You know, I am in the, you know, majority of people out there that do wish, you know, we might do uh, two Monday night football games, have that weekly double header instead of the Thursday night. This one was certainly nice. Uh, yeah, so recording here at 12.02 uh, Eastern time from, you know, the beautiful, as always, Columbus, Ohio. And yeah, excited to get talking about this. So starting off, uh, Chiefs defeated the Patriots 26 to 10. So on the Patriots side of the ball, they really had a chance uh, in this game throughout. I mean, it was only six to three Chiefs that had halftime and I mean the amount of times the Patriots kind of shot themselves in the foot was just amazing I mean Sammy I'm sorry they got a fumble by Sammy Watkins they were able to you know uh, almost force turnovers on several occasions from Patrick Mahomes they had two interceptions uh, hit their defenders in the chest they had another play where they sacked Mahomes he seemingly fumbled it or it was an interception straight to a Patriots player it was inexplicably ruled dead and you know we didn't even get a challenge flag out of it so that was pretty wild and then just on offense I mean every time Brian Hoyer got something going a disaster would usually strike shortly thereafter or took just a horrific sack at the end of the first half where he thought he had a timeout had an interception trying to go you know over the seam that just sailed on him and then you know finally just when he really was starting to get something together and go down and got inside you know the 20 yard line uh get strip sacked to pretty much uh, end the Patriots kind of offensive chances so uh yeah really just bad game from Hoyer in general again he briefly found his rhythm in the third quarter you know picked up uh first down his own rushing got Edelman a few times but you know again Got inside the uh, 15-yard line, got strip sacked, and then it was a Jared Stidham show from then on. Stidham now, you know, in his career has three interceptions and I believe 17 pass attempts. Wasn't all on him. I mean, he did have a nice little touchdown fade to Nikhil Harry, uh, but man, I mean, the, the pick six, okay, he hit Edelman in the hands and went right to the guy. Uh, last pick, not so much. And then, you know, defensive pass interference, stayed him from another interception before. So, you know, I'm not saying Stidham is quite as bad as that, uh, you know, stat line, his career stat line is looking at this point, but certainly not a lot to pick from and really give him a ton of kudos for uh, in the backfield so typical three back committee that we see with the Patriots James White 33 snaps Rex Burkhead 24 Damian Harris 21 but it was Harris really getting the run with Sony Michelle now on the injured reserve list again uh, Damian Harris 17 carries 100 yards didn't have a target that's what we're kind of expecting here in this early down roll but as long as Sony remains sidelined he is going to be a threat to have you know 15 plus carries per week now once we have Cam come back he's gonna be the one stealing those you know fantasy friendly looks at the goal line wouldn't exactly go out there and you know, blow your entire fab on Damian Harris, but hey, certainly worse guys to have in the potential lead early down back of you know a high-scoring offense. So I do think, I mean, when Sony's back, he's gonna get some run. I mean, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, how is, how would you ever play Sony Michelle over Damian Harris going into this? You know, as we said last week, Sony really, really did have his best game with the Patriots, uh, arguably, you know, even going back to uh, 2018 in Week Four. It's unfortunate that uh, he got injured. Uh, at, you know, afterwards, and now he's on the injured reserve. But I do think when Sony's back, we're going to see Harris, Burkhead, White, you know, Michelle, all four of them, an annoying, not so fancy friendly committee with Cam Newton uh, kind of running things and continuing to be the focal point of this offense. So speaking of Cam, so he's a, he's reportedly feeling good. He needs to pass two consecutive COVID tests, and then he could be on the practice field by the end of the week. It sounds like, from my understanding, that week five is not out of the picture. More likely week six and beyond. Obviously, you know, he could stop not feeling good, and you know, I have to deal 
deal with this thing. So, uh, you know, uh, prayers up for Cam, of course. Hope everything's okay. But just sounding for some of the beat writers, it does sound like maybe week five, if he continues to feel good, is, is a real possibility. So hopefully we will get that because, I mean, it's going to be tough to use any of these receivers in the meantime. And even once Cam's back, let's be honest, it's really only Edelman. But even that at that point, at, at this point, guys, it's it's tough. Demir Bird led the way 63 snaps. Nikhil Harry was at 47. Edelman only 36. I mean, truly only using him as the slot receiver in this spot and didn't help his cause, you know, with these drops. And going back to the beginning of last season, only Michael Gallup has more drops than Edelman. Sometimes drops can be overrated. I mean, it is one of those stats where the more targets you get, the more drops you're going to have out there. But certainly not, you know, one of Edelman's better performances by a long stretch. Uh, need to see more from him to try to elevate this passing game. So uh, Bird, you know, only real speed they have on the field. I think that's why he played so much. And the Keel Harry still struggling with the separation, you know. Again, nice little fade touchdown from Hoyer uh, inside the five. I'm sorry, from Stidham inside the five-yard line. But, uh, you know, those are going to be few and far between. This guy still just has an incredibly low ceiling. Uh, moving on to the Kansas City side of the ball. We got the Patrick Mahomes show. Not one of his best games, you know, and we see that in the stat sheet uh, with him, you know, only completing 19 and 29 passes, 236 yards, pair of touchdowns. But again, mentions at the top. I mean, two dropped interceptions, should have had a fumble. Uh, you know, the two touchdowns, I think, traveled a total of about six inches out of his hands, a pop pass to Tyreek and also a pop pass uh, to Miko Hardman for the score. So, hey, you know, a win is a win is a win. And you know, we see the Chargers and Patriots kind of routinely give Mahomes a little more, a little bit more trouble than other defenses. But uh, you know, the fact that the Chiefs can still uh, have this convincing win. I know Cam wasn't there, and this is, you know, a much lesser version of the Patriots, but the fact they can have this convincing of a, of a rim win when Mahomes has, you know, a quote-unquote bad game uh, tells you a lot about just how good this team is. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire leaving a lot of fancy uh, managers disappointed. The usage is there. I mean, 16 carries, 64 yards, and had, a, you know, caught all three of his targets for another 27 yards. It's not like Daryl Williams or Darwin Thompson were doing anything. I mean, Clyde literally played 80% of the offensive snaps. That's a nice jump up what we've seen in past weeks but uh, you know it's a situation where they just didn't really have the goal line touches for him to try to convert we saw him have so many in week one this seemed like this guy you know would be scoring three touchdowns a week once he started finding his way into the end zone but hasn't been the case so far uh, you know keep firing up Clyde as an RB1 it's not like we're ever going to be benching this guy but you know perhaps the uh, top five annoyment was a little bit premature still think he's going to have better days ahead and, and again the fact that he did play 80% of their snaps in this game far ahead of Daryl Williams and Thompson uh, who wasn't even out there I I think it tells you a lot about where his role is heading uh, towards the next bit of the season. Uh, with the wide receivers, Tyreek played 49 snaps, Sammy Watkins 44, Miko Harbin 25, and Demarcus Robinson 20. Uh, didn't even see Robinson get a target. He did have a real nice block on the uh, Tyreek Hill touchdown. Tyreek uh, four catches 64 yards and a score. Miko four catches 27 yards and a score. Watkins 43 scoreless yards. Again, like last week with Miko, I mean, okay, great. He made the most of his limited opportunities, but still not seeing that you know kind of snap shift we wanted to see. Uh, there, he's a good guy to leave on your bench because you know I've been stretching this all offseason. Where if one of Robinson, Watkins, or Tyreek goes down, we're talking about Miko as a legit you know wide receiver three option on a week to week basis. But for now, he's just going to be. Uh you know, boomer bust flex more or less because uh, there is a real, very real zero point floor. But, you know, with that speed and in this offense, he is capable of scoring as he's done each of the past two weeks. So 
Uh, nice performance from Travis Kelsey as well. Three catches, 70 yards, uh, no scores and six targets. I guess nice might be, you know, a little strong word. We're expecting a little more out of him usually, but 45-yard catch and run. And he had another play where uh, a fullback actually tipped it as the ball was going to Kelsey. And if the guy hadn't gotten in the way, it could have been a situation we're looking at some serious yak. It was not many uh, people there. So, uh, you know, the big thing with Kelsey for me, I mean, this was his birthday. He turned 31 tonight. I was just almost expecting at some point to see him drop off a little bit athletically, but that has not been the case. Case this year. Gallup's as good as ever. Uh, Kittle's trying to snap that, you know, four-year streak Kelsey's had as the uh, overall fantasy tight end one, but uh, Kelsey still has to be the favorite to this point. So, uh, you know, not the, not the most exciting Patriots-Chiefs game. I think we've seen better ones uh, over the years, but uh, credit to the Chiefs for getting the job done. Hopefully we get Cam back out there sooner rather than later. Uh, later game, we had the Packers defeat the Falcons 32-16. That's 30 versus 16 points. Uh, sorry to confuse that, but yeah, just another uh, great game from Aaron Rodgers and you know the pissed off FU tour, whatever you want to call it. It continues 27 for 33, 327 yards, four scores, not a single interception. He just didn't control all game. I mean, you know, he had one of those free plays that he just seemingly makes, uh, you know, turns into a god every single time the defense jumps off sides and the refs don't stop the play. So he just has such a high level and the scheme is really helping. I mean, they were showing us, you know, some of the next gen stats throughout the game, just how much of their uh, offense is using play action and using pre snap motion. I mean, there were plays where Aaron Jones is running the ball up the middle and you see uh, defenders more or less like still chasing the pre snap motion uh, somewhere else. So, you know what? Like, I, I do agree, agree with the idea that, you know, talent. Uh, overcome scheme you know it's about the jimmies and joes not the x's nose at the end of the day but why not do both why not help your more talented players try to make uh, great plays by sending them up uh, with, with consistent success that's what we see the chiefs do all the time unfortunately you know the packers don't have this uh just endless case of playmakers like the chiefs so, you know kind of using this uh, great scheme they got going on there but Either way, 30 points. Rodgers making it happen with anyone out there. And at this point, it's tough to, you know, kind of predict for this guy to have a down game no matter who he loses because, you know, no Devontae Adams this week. Aaron Jones was, you know, not quite as involved as people probably wanted. It just didn't matter. Robert Tanyan, everybody, uh, six catches, 98 yards, and three scores. Even uh, Rodgers even got Jamal Williams, eight catches for 95 yards. No one else over 50 yards, but the Tanyan connection was all that mattered. I mean, look, none of his touchdowns were on uh, all three of them. None of them are particularly impressive. And, you know, as non-impressive as NFL touchdowns could be. I'm not trying to hate on the guy at all. Uh, I said on Twitter that, you know, it's the most random three-touchdown performance I've uh, seen in primetime since Larry Donnell did it for the Giants back in the day. You know, credit to Tanya, and he has been playing well this year. He had two touchdowns in the previous two weeks, but this was a situation where it wasn't just Tanya, it was Sternberger and Mercedes Lewis as well. You know, obviously the extra injuries forced their hands a little bit, but credit to Tanya for doing something that Devontae Adams has never done and something that Jordan Nelson only did twice, and that is score uh, three touchdowns with Aaron Rodgers at QB. So, uh, yeah, moving forward, Tanyan freaking almost, I think he is leading the league now in touchdowns or tied for it with Mike Evans. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to treat this dude as legit tight end one. Aaron Rodgers loves him. And as we've seen over the years, if Aaron Rodgers loves somebody, he tends to get them the ball in a fantasy-friendly way. Uh, speaking of this backfield, I mentioned it before where Jones wasn't used quite as much as we all wanted. Only 30 snaps for uh, Mr. Showtime. Jamal Williams, 26 snaps. A.J. Dillon, only three. Just the only thing I'll say about Dillon 
you drafted him in the second round. You know, everyone keeps talking about, oh, he's going to be so great late in the season at Lambeau when they're putting these games away and they can bruise him. I mean, they were up multiple scores against the Falcons for the entire fourth quarter and couldn't even get Dylan one single uh, late game rush attempt. And, you know, when Jamal Williams is converting eight carries into 10 yards, I don't know. So you use a second round pick on the guy. I wouldn't use a second round pick on the guy, but I'm also not being paid to make these decisions. So you went ahead and did it. I mean, go get the guy some touches in the spot that you, he's seemingly going to be used for. So that's enough there. Uh, with Aaron Jones, though, unguarded uh, touchdown on the first drive. I mean, he had 46 yards look like he was on his way to a huge game but just saw a ton of Jamal Williams and look Jamal Williams isn't bad at all I mean he is this you know solid incumbent back as we've seen you know with Gus Edwards Jordan Wilkins this year that you know continues to limit the starter that we wish would get more run uh just a situation where it could be so much more with Aaron Jones than what we've been seeing already but as it is you know as the lead back of this Aaron Rodgers uh led number one scoring offense in the league or at least it was going in this week we'll see afterwards but you know continue to treat Aaron as anyone's idea of a top you know five fan back after they get done with this week five by uh, Jamal Williams. Yeah, I think we probably have to assume he would be the lead back if Aaron uh, mixes to- uh, misses time. So definitely worse people to have on your bench than Jamal Williams, especially as long as this receiving room remains banged up. And yeah, with the receivers, I mean, Marquez Ball of Scantling, four catches, 45 yards on eight targets, just couldn't quite uh, get it done. You know, had some opportunities deep and drew a few penalties, but not the big game we were looking for. You know, he's going to be Still in the upside wide receiver four conversation when uh, when Lazard and Adams get back, but uh, kind of disappointed not see him take over a little bit more. Uh, Darius Shepard, two catches, 21 yards. Malik Taylor, one catch, 20 yards. Uh, someone asked me today who I play, and I predicted Shepard, so I'm going to pat myself on the back for being right by one yard. But uh, clearly, uh, with this team, you know, and losing Adams, they were more than willing to lean on their running, back, on their running backs and tight ends. So credit the Green Bay Packers. You know, I was one of the people that looked at their numbers last year that painted the portrait of an 8-8 eight and eight team. I thought they would regress they have not they have gotten a ton better second year uh, with Matt LaFleur you know hey if the, if the guy's Aaron Jones usage isn't great I mean that's honestly a fantasy problem that's not a real life problem again the play action the motion everything's been great out of Green Bay and we even saw tonight uh, Yair Alexander and you know, Darius Smith their true uh, blue chip playmakers on defense uh, doing big things as well so uh, with that in mind you know big story out of the Falcons Calvin Ridley five targets zero catches zero yards zero scores I you know credit to Yair Alexander who is tracking him for most of the game. You know, he didn't doesn't make it easy on Ridley. He doesn't make it easy on anyone, even though he gives up uh, some big games over the years. You know, Amari Cooper and some guys have really uh, torn up Yair and shadow coverage. But, you know, it reminds me of Marshawn Lattimore in that, okay, like he'll get beat, but we can't penalize a shadow corner for getting beat all that much because there's a hell of a lot of corners out there that wouldn't even be given that sort of responsibility in the first place. You know, we have seen guys like Yair, like Lattimore, really play at a high level for stretches. And that was tonight. But with that said, you know, Ridley, his first three targets, he had plenty of separation, and Ryan wasn't able to put the ball on him. His last target of the game, he runs a post and is in the end zone, and Ryan just you know threw it behind him, wasn't able to get the ball. It was a nice play by the safety, Adrian Amos as well. You know, credit to him. And again, Yair, it wasn't like he was too far behind on those recept- on those uh, targets that ended up being in completion. So, uh, not trying to take anything away from, from Yair. I'm just saying I've seen, uh, you know, as as good as a goose egg performance can look for Ridley, I guess. You know, I wouldn't worry about the ankle too much. He still looked healthy and was creating separation. So, I uh, feel confident in saying we will not see another goose egg from Ridley this season. Unfortunately, Julio Jones uh, re-aggravated his hamstring injury after just four catches, 430 
32 yards. He looked good when he was out there. That's the most surprising thing. I mean, he was actually picking up yak, uh, breaking some tackles. Unfortunately, though, a situation that's going to need to continue to be monitored. You know, if Julio's going to go out there and give it a try, we're going to have to continue to fire up as a starter. But, you know, definitely a situation where if he's on the, if he's on your team, you're going to be needing looking at a weekly, you know, potential swaps with this uh, hamstring injury. Definitely not healed at the moment. Uh, you know, other than that, we had uh, Zacchaeus catching uh, eight, eight, eight of nine targets for 86 yards. Bunch of that in garbage time. Wouldn't really worry about him too much going forward. So I think Russell Gage, who only had two catches for 22 yards, will be more involved uh, in future weeks if Julio's going to continue missing time. Uh, shout out Hayden Hurst, four catches, 51 yards. But at this point, more of an upside tight end too than anything. Uh, last last couple points, uh, Matt Ryan, just not a good game. You know, repeatedly, again, missing Ridley. Wasn't getting anything downfield. Only 285 scoreless yards on 39 attempts. Might be the point. I think it was a PFF Sam himself, or it might have been Steve, uh, but they brought up that, you know, Matt Ryan's outdoor arm looking a little bit like 2015 Peyton Manning. I wouldn't go quite that far, but it is a situation where, you know, against a better pass rush, you know, maybe sneaky good secondary, like the Green Bay Packers, uh, you know, when Matt Ryan isn't in these great matchups and he is traveling outdoor, maybe at least uh, consider, you know, tapping the brakes on our expectations for him. So quickly on the backfield, Todd Gurley, 16 carries, 57 yards, two scores. Jokes were flying on the old Twitter sphere about his uh, slow start in the game had some nice runs I mean to his credit had a really nice uh, cutback and then when and then when he scored he broke some tackles and then his second touchdown he uh kind of got stuff going up the middle and was able to bounce it outside. So, you know, announcer is talking about his vision. I know people kind of roll their eyes, but, you know, Gurley, okay, he's definitely not the same guy he was in the past, and this a lot of it is just, you know, volume-based. But, uh, you know, credit to him for making some plays tonight. Uh, as long as he continues to get these type of roles in an offense like the Falcons that will be putting up more points uh, in the future, or at, least, or at least you would think so, uh, he is going to be able to continue to flirt with that RB2 production, just not really, you know, you were going to see that top 12 uh, sort of consistent production in his general range outcomes so two fun games i want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors before we move on here to some of the injury discussion over there at underdog fantasy i absolutely love underdog fantasy if you like fantasy football you need to be playing on underdog fantasy no lineup setting waiver wires or bad trades to deal with team that built the app is top notch and the customer support is the best in the game constantly updating and adding new features look up underdog fantasy on your app store or go to underdogfantasy.com to play today make your first deposit today and be sure to use my code pff after you do to let them know that I sent you. All right, so, uh, you know, on the uh, Sunday night edition of the podcast that comes out Monday, I try to talk about the injuries uh, that just happened. But, uh, you know, we usually don't have much information until Monday when these coaches have the press conferences and then really until Wednesday when we see the practice reports. So still take this with a little bit grain of salt, but we have gotten some key updates. I'm just going to go through these quick and then the uh, applicable moments uh, that, you know, are going to help us out with the waiver wire selections I'll bring up in a second. So quickly on the injuries, Nick Chubb with an MCL sprain. He's been added to injured reserve, expected to be out as long as six weeks, at least three weeks. Uh, Chargers running back Austin Eckler, grade two hamstring strain. He's expecting to miss four to six weeks. Sony Michelle is on IR, as I mentioned before, with a quad injury. He's expect not expecting to miss the whole season, but, you know, again, at least going to miss three weeks with this, uh, you know, 2020 COVID-influenced IR spot. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo with the ankle, still considered day-to-day. Seems like he is trending towards being able to suit up this week, though. Uh, same thing with Raheem Moster with the knee injury uh, situation where they have been kind of bringing these guys along. You would think that they have a chance to get back on the field sooner rather than later. 
just all kinds of injuries on Tampa Bay right now. I'm looking at their practice report. Uh, Mike Evans with a sprained ankle, didn't practice. Gronk was limited with a shoulder. LaShawn McCoy with an ankle injury. Scotty Miller with a hip and groin injury. Justin Watson with a chest injury. Short turnaround on Thursday night, and they don't have many healthy wide receivers on that team. So uh, I did rank Tom Brady pretty high in my uh, you know rankings I was doing today. But upon seeing that practice report, uh, might have to bump him more around that QB1 borderline, as good as he did look last week. And then finally, Christian McCaffrey with his ankle injury will be out at least one more week so with those updates aside let's talk about what they mean who we should be targeting and i know one real popular waiver wire candidate this week is backup browns running back d ernest johnson and look he played great last week against the cowboys who seemingly can't stop anyone and i love d ernest johnson as a you know aaf uh lifer and truther over here i i miss that league but look the only reason why d ernest had that sort of run was because of the cream hunt groin injury i mean i really doubt uh, that once he's 100 johnson's gonna have any sort of role we saw Doncho hilliard even splitting uh, some of these backup snaps with Dearness Johnson. I mean, look, Kareem Hunt, they paid the guy. He is, we we all know how good Kareem Hunt is. If he is healthy, he is going to be playing 70, 80% plus snaps uh, out of minimum. Wouldn't even be shocked if he's approaching a true every down role. So for Dearness Johnson, we're looking at best case, a situation where he gets, continues to get this, you know, 40, maybe 50% role, you know, kind of splitting it with Hunt. But Hunt's obviously the better receiver. So he's going to be getting the fantasy friendly touches there. And, you know, okay, the quote unquote best case scenario for Dearness, you know, okay, if we're if we're saying Hunt could somehow be removed from the picture, I mean, I don't think Dearness Johnson just takes over this backfield by any stretch of the imagination. Again, Doncho Hilliard being used, and they would likely bring in someone else. So Dearness is fine, and you know the Browns, if they're going to keep running the piss out of the ball like they've been doing, you're just wanting you're in a situation where Hunt. Andy Ernst could feasibly give you some value, but I think we saw the highest end of his outcomes already last week. I am not going to be blowing the fab on Dearness Johnson. He's not going to be usable if uh, Kareem Hunt is uh, you know healthy, and even if Kareem Hunt doesn't get healthy, I'm not convinced we could treat Dearness as more of you know more than like an upside RB three. Uh, Chase Edmonds, I hopefully he is you know not on the waiver wire in your league because you already own him. Because again, we've been stressing all offseason: Latavius Murray, Chase Edmonds, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, big four that we really. Think could you know have those top 12 RB roles if disaster strikes uh would just note that you know uh, last night in the pod mentioned how you know Kenyon Drake got uh, left the game late looked like he got his bell rung was actually just him getting the wind knocked out of him so he's fine but you know Edmonds he's getting closer and closer to having almost standalone value I mean he's got 17 targets this year Drake just five Drake's at 67 rush attempts and Chase at 16 but they need a spark uh Drake hasn't been providing it you know I was really holding out until that Panthers game uh because you know everyone can run over the Panthers apparently everyone except Kenyon Drake. So disappointing. Uh, you know, Drake, if they want to keep giving him 20 plus touches per week, then okay, maybe he can snap out of this. But at some point, we're going to have to, you know, see if Kingsbury is going to try to provide this team a spark. One very easy way to do that would be to give Edmonds more run over Drake. Uh, with the Chargers, you know, mentioned Eckler is going to be out for a while. Luckily, not the whole season, but it's going to be a Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly show. And I just want to let everyone know that Justin Jackson is a good running back. I don't know why, like, everyone thinks that Joshua Kelly has just had the best four weeks of, like, any rookie running back ever to start this year. Not to hate on Joshua Kelly, but, you know, Jackson, career. 5.1 yards per carry. Last year, he was fifth in missed force tackles per attempt. The only guys that averaged more yards after contact per rush were Josh Jacobs, Darius Geis, Tony Pollard, and Derrick Henry. Justin Jackson's legit. He's just like, you know, Gus Edwards, Jordan Wilkins, all these incumbent backups that we just kind of brush aside because we didn't see him all that much last year and they weren't a starter. Rookie comes in, we assume the rookie's going to take the job, and that's not what happens. So I know Kelly played more uh, snaps than Jackson after Eckler went down last week. It could very well be his jobs, but 
This is also a rookie who is 28th among 43 players in yards after contact per rush. He's 36 in percentage of carries to go for a first down or touchdown, and he's lost a fumble in back-to-back weeks. I mean, okay, he's made good use of some screens. I actually, I think his, you know, what he's looked like to me watching the games has been better in some of these metrics in the Cape, but again, wouldn't it be shocked if we see a third back added to this group, uh, you know, to, to take away some of the more pass-catching duties and, you know, continued fumbling from Kelly's going to get him in the doghouse real quick. Uh, I am not blowing the fab on Joshua Kelly. Justin Jackson, again, okay, we're talking about a split backfield either way, not necessarily a guy I think you need to go super far out of your way for, you know, like a Justin Jefferson, like a Mike Davis, as we hyped up over the past two weeks. But, you know, definitely at cost, give me Justin Jackson over Joshua Kelly eight days a week. Uh, stick with the Chargers for a second. We got to start respecting Justin Herbert as a legit fantasy option. For him to get done what he did against a good Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense without Mike Williams, without Austin Eckler. I mean, the deep balls he was putting down the field and guiding in, you know, something named Tyron Johnson were just uh, incredible. And we see him already peppering uh, Keenan Allen and having some good chemistry there. So he's in the upside QB2 conversation. We're going to see a floor game at some point. You know, I don't want to crown this guy as a top 12 option at the position just yet. But, you know, he's done a good job moving the ball. And you don't have those good of games early on, you know, if you can't at least put together some semblance of consistency, or at least I would like to think so. I mean, you know, we have a lot of quarterbacks who are hoping to see the sort of splash games that Herbert has already been able to put on film. So, you know, really good stuff uh, from him. And, you know, this is one of these reasons where over the past few years, I mean, look at Daniel Jones, Josh Allen, these quarterbacks that were drafted really high and just almost immediately written off as a bust. Let's watch them play in the NFL a little bit. I understand, you know, Josh Allen, Daniel Jones heading in very different directions at the moment, but, you know, just so hard to evaluate these quarterbacks uh, coming out of college the people that are paid millions and millions of dollars NFO you know GMs and coaches and all that they can barely do a good job of it so you know don't don't uh, hate on yourself for messing up one of these guys for thinking Herbert or whoever it was sucked uh, coming out it's okay to change your mind get new information and we'll adjust accordingly and that's what we're doing right now with Justin Herbert playing some great ball uh, Dalton Schultz with the Cowboys uh, you know reasonable tight end now if we want to pick him up more than reasonable actually he is the uh, PPR tight end five right now only Mark Andrews uh, Kelsey Darren Waller and Noah Fon have more uh, points per reception this season and you know what Cowboys using five wide receivers, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, uh, C.D. Lamb, Cedric Wilson, and Noah Brown. But when Dak's on pace for 804 pass attempts, he can enable a lot of these guys. So uh, I think Schultz will fall off at some point, but there's no reason why he can't be a top 12 tight end. I do think Jarwin is, you know, a quote unquote better talent. But hey, you know, we saw Witten have, you know, semi-usable weeks at us at certain times uh, last season. So, you know, seeing these lines that Schultz has put up over the last uh, three weeks, nine catches, 88 yards in the score, four catches, 48 yards, four catches, 72 yards in the score, 24 combined targets. He's running out there very often inside of one of the league's most prolific passing attacks, so far the most prolific uh, passing attack for better or for worse, you know, with that defense kind of causing it to have to be that way. Uh, but yeah, Dalton Schultz, if he's on that waiver wire, uh, certainly worse guys to have is streaming at that tight end position. Uh, with the Buccaneers wide receivers, I mean, Scotty Miller, someone as long as Goblin remains out that we can definitely... Uh, look to stream as you know a boomer bust kind of wide receiver four concerned about this injury but the air yards are wild here 354 air yards for scotty miller and only uh, uh 279 for mike evans and for those that don't know just quickly air yards are the yards you know per target doesn't have to be caught but you know if uh, tom brady throws the ball from his 50 yard line and complete to scotty miller at the 25 those are 25 air yards zero reception yards so you know the good way that uh, you can sometimes identify undervalued wide receivers is looking at the guys that are getting a bunch of air 
yards and not converting those their reception yards uh, just yet. Joshua Herzmeyer over at Establish the Run is the master at this. You know, make sure to look at his air yards model and the fine folks at ETR if you desire. So Scotty Miller, you know, he kind of busted in week two with two catches for 11 yards when Goblin was out the first time. But other than that, he's had uh, five catches for 73 yards, three catches, 83 yards, and most recently five catches, 83 yards in the score. So even though Justin Watson is like has more playing time, we've seen nice chemistry with TB12 and Scotty Miller. And those air yards, like again, it's crazy. He's a boomer bust guy, but hey, you can do worse than having boomer bust guys out there. And someone else that's kind of like that is uh, T. Higgins. He's playing a little bit more consistently than Scotty Miller. Hyped him up last week as someone you can feel uh, confident in signing. You know, again, it was Justin Jefferson number one last week at wide receiver, but T. Higgins too, because his snap roll changed. It wasn't a Miko Harbin situation where, you know, he just kept doing the most of the limited snaps. I guy quit saying that about Miko Harbin though because the guy keeps scoring with his limited snaps so you know credit to him but uh with Higgins again true uh role change and like Scotty Miller with this I mean all the air yards right now T Higgins is 14th in air yards behind Terry McLaurin we're gonna see some ups and downs I mean Burrow is he's been you know very erratic throwing downfield so far and good God please don't start him this week against the Ravens but again you know there's some ceiling here and if we see AJ Green just continue to struggle this badly uh wouldn't it be shocking to see Higgins actually wind up as number two most productive receiver in this offense behind A.J. Green. Uh, just two more guys to get through. Thank you all for sticking with me here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Tim Patrick had a real big Thursday night game uh, for the Broncos, and K.J. Handler's got this hamstring injury. Colin Sutton's on IR. Noah Fant's got the ankle injury. Not crazy to think that, you know, Patrick could be the number one or number two in this offense now. I still think Jerry Judy will be the guy. He's got all sorts of air yards. He's up there in the top uh, 20, but, you know, Tim Patrick, Four catches, 43 yards in the score. Six catches, 113 yards in the score on 11 targets. He's making the most of it. Got to give him credit. Drew Locke's coming back. Don't think it's going to be this week against the Patriots, but you know what? I mean, there's very few uh, num- number two or number one wide receivers out there on the waiver wire. If you want Tim Patrick at the bottom, you at least got a guy that's looking at uh, you know potential for five-plus targets per week, and we know he can at least do something with it. Uh, last guy I'll go over, Mo Alley Cox. Uh, I, you know, affectionately wanted to nickname him Action, but or Maction. I don't think we're going to see uh, too much of him moving forward, unfortunately, though. Uh, snaps have gone down in back-to-back weeks with Jack Doyle back, and the real deal breaker was this last week. Trey Burton came back from injured reserve and actually outsnapped uh, Mo Alley Cox. So I know Mo Alley Cox keeps scoring touchdowns, but his yardage ceiling is seemingly like 20 at this point, as long as he is the third most used tight end in his own offense. So great player. Wish they would use him more. Doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, before we get out of here, quick shout out to our sponsors at Monkey Knife Fight. If you guys want a discount on a PFF Edge subscription, go to Monkey Knife Fight, deposit $20, and you will get a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's a $40 value for just $20, and you get the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the USA, Monkey Knife Fight. So go to Monkey Knife Fight, deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's going to do it, everyone. Thank you for listening to Pro Football Focus, Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's coming to you with these every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, Make sure you tune back in Wednesday for a full game-by-game breakdown of Week 5. On Thursday, we're going to be turning back around and doing some more uh, focus, just questions on kind of the key players that, you know, we're all debating throughout the week. And then Friday, I have some more injury notes for the weekend and wrapping up Thursday Night Football. So thank you again for listening. Until next time, take care. 